what is it like to be 31, Oren? How's it feeling? Uh, it's okay. It, it, when you kind of turn an age like that, you start to be reflective on your life. And um, it's kind of crazy. It's like chapters have already been written about Oren in the sense that like, like when I'm 20, I'm like, oh, there's so much possibility, but 10 years have passed, so chapters have already been written, so to speak. So it's kind of a weird feeling thinking about that. Um, also, I'm four years older than uh, Kurt Cobain when he died, four years older than uh, Jimi Hendrix. Um, you know, you get kind of existential. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's weird. Well, happy birthday, Oren. Um, happy birthday, Oren. <laughs> I, I hope you had a killer party last night, raging late into the evening. Uh, it was just uh, my brother and some of his friends, and we were playing uh, this UFC uh, fighting game. It was pretty funny. All right, that sounds that sounds not so bad. That's, Is that the buggy one? It was. I don't With know if it was buggy, but but okay. it was fun. It was. It was. Nice. It was. It was. It was great because. Uh, they animate it where it's like if you punch a guy in the face, it looks like these light taps on their face. So if you hit them like five times in a row, it's like tap, tap, tap. And it just looks kind of brutal seeing just a, a realistic dude get punched in the face five times. It's, it's funny. I like it. Hmm. Nice. Nice. Kevin, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm a little sleepy, but I'm fine. I'm actually not that sleepy, but I, no. We're a little earlier today, which is good. A little, little prepped. Yeah. Sometimes we record at night and drink beers. Other times we record in the morning and uh, it's a morning pod. rub our eyeballs. But I'm good. I'm good. I've been playing a lot of games that are like Dark Souls and not named Dark Souls. So hmm. That's oh, so can... funny that you say that because I'm in the same boat and I'm going to talk about that later in the podcast. That like <laughs> the past 45 days of my life have just been Dark Souls. That's my yeah. theory. And I will talk about that later. <laughs> All right, uh, let's talk How are you, about Aaron? me. I'm fine. Yeah, L life's good. Can't complain. Good. Uh, nice. You know, I'm. Uh, I I think I'm slightly more or less rested than you guys, and uh, I drank my coffee. It was super good. You know what I recommend? If you if you drink coffee, like a cup every day, get a pour over. Make a good pour over. It's uh, it's delicious. <laughs> I'm, I'm drinking an energy drink. I'm, I'm doing the full energy drink. The full what? What energy drink are you drinking, Oren? Um, Salimo. Hmm. Red energy drink. It's, it's some it's kind of like, like Red Bull. Soviet energy drink. I don't know. It's red. <laughs> Does it have red cool. flavor? Red flavoring is my favorite flavor. Red. Yeah. I don't oh, know. weird. All right. Whatever. Look, looks good. Uh, you guys. Sony did a thing. We already know what they were going to do, but they came out with their subscription model and pricing. Have you guys seen this? I did. Um, I was unimpressed, I did. to be honest. Yeah, unimpressed, I think, is, is the word. Uh, I am. I remain unimpressed, though. Well, uh, give, give us the details. What so, the details is they are basically folding PS Now, which is their streaming and... Um, download service kind of like game pass but less robust although actually it has more games than game pass but a lot of them are streaming they're going to fold that into ps plus and then they're going to make three tiers which are playstation playstation plus essential then there's going to be plus extra and then there's going to be plus premium 
Essential is $9.99 a month, and I think it only gives you multiplayer. And they gives you it gives you multiplayer and the two da- downloads. Um, plus extra gives you multiplayer, but it also gives you a catalog of 400 PS4 or PS5 games, and it's priced at $15 a month. And then the premium tier gives you an extra 340 games from the PlayStation 3 that can only be streamed because Sony has refused to do any sort of backwards compatibility on that system. Uh, and you can also stream and or download some PlayStation PlayStation 2 and PSP games. And there will be time-limited trials, and it is $18 a month or $17.99. So um, the main reason why I was interested in this was to play... Uh classic ps3 titles like that was something that was really enticing to me playing Killzone, playing infamous playing resistance and that was the key draw for me because those games aren't really widely available um in different forms and that are in you know in ways that are fps boosted and whatever and seeing that they're going to be cloud streaming is just kind of disappointing to me um because that was the main draw so that's unfortunate. It's unfortunate too because it's kind of some of their classic games, and they're really not doing them any justice by making them worse than they were on the PS3 by streaming them. It's like they're going to look bad, and they're going to be high input latency. So it's it's a bummer. I think it's it's really a missed opportunity. I think they they had their big announcement, and I think they really could have put a little more money in and, and knocked it out of the park if they got some backwards compat. But it just felt like they went with the easy lazy option. And still charge a lot of money for it, so I'm kind of I'm kind of like Sony. Come on, guys. Do I, I just on don't this. think. I just don't. I th- it's weird. I feel like they have the capacity to do that, and the fact that they're not doing that kind of shows that they're not super interested. You know, like yeah. I, I, I feel yeah. like they're just kind of they're just kind of uh, dropping this out to be like, see, investors were competing with Game Pass. But they're still going to be focused on the premium $70 um, PlayStation 5 exclusive experience. Um, that's just what their brand is. Right. So I get it, but it's also a little bit of a bummer. Yeah, I should point out that none of these tiers include day and date release titles, as, as you were alluding to there. Or uh, right. So, like, you're not going to get the, the, you know, you don't just subscribe to the service and get all the games for free. You still have to buy the new games. And then presumably, at some point, they will migrate to the service after they're a little bit older. Like I think they're adding Ghost of Tsushima and Returnal to to those services, so that's cool. Those are both uh, really good games that I think, you know, especially Returnal, it'll probably find a bigger audience. But like those are also, at this point, slightly older games. Uh, yeah, it, it's a little underwhelming this this whole thing, and I'm a little bummed about the backwards compatibility, the sort of lack yeah. of commitment. I would love to have seen something for PS3 because there, like you were saying, there's a lot of games. Just really, I just want Killzone. Just give me a PC Killzone Two. Give me a PC port of Killzone Two. I want Metal Gear Solid Four. Oh, MGS Four would be nice. Doesn't exist. Uh, Demon Souls. Demon Souls. Uh, uh, Killzone Three ain't half bad either. Killzone mm. Three is uh, really cool. They, the reason why I like Killzone Three is because they introduce executions, so you mm. can do uh, you can do takedowns of guards with a knife. Okay. Really co-op too. Yeah. Um, yeah, Kevin and I played some co-op of that like a million did, years yeah. ago. It was fun. I, I also kind of like Infamous. I thought Infamous. Mm. I mean, I know superhero crap is superhero crap, but uh, 
that came out before the superhero yeah. crap it storm did. and it was pretty fun yeah it was cool actually yeah i don't know oh well uh i really wanted to play some of those playstation 3 games because i think it's kind of an underrated stretch of mm-hmm. sony's history um with some gems but it seems like we still won't be able to really play those games the way they were intended oh well unless you have a, a ps3 which i actually i do have um but right do- ps3 doesn't look great on modern tvs because it's 720p and if you have a 4k tv and it's reasonably big it looks a little chunky i mean it's it's fine but it's it's a little wobbly uh, yeah. I, could, I could go for some resolution boosting or something. Anyway, uh, Max Payne getting a remake, one two folded into a single game in the same engine that Control was made with. Uh, I don't know cool. what they call that, but yeah, very. That's cool. gonna be good. I, I uh, I'm really excited for that. I mean, like as long as they go all in on particle effects, which they will, mm-hmm. that that game's gonna be a lot of fun. What if it has the tracing. fidelity of control? Can you imagine that? It should. It it's should. in the same engine. I know. That's control be awesome, was a low-budget title, by the way. So it, it potentially could look... It was? It was, yeah. It was like an experiment. They like reuse so a lot of textures and, and like uh, models and stuff in that game. Hmm. But um, It didn't feel... Yeah. It felt like a full AAA, like, next-gen. Like, that was a next-gen game from it the... It did, yeah, the, graphically. And, yeah. Uh, Even the gameplay. It was like everything was like physics-y and... It felt like something. Wow, that's cool. I, I'm really excited. I never played Max Payne two much. Mm-hmm. I played a little bit of it on Steam, but the first game I remember playing back on the original Xbox, and it felt so like moody. Yeah, we, it felt like it was like a crime noir game that also felt like vaguely apocalyptic, or like the apocalypse was coming with like totally. the storm and it's like this keeps snowing. Yeah, that game was cool. I'm excited to play play it again. <clears throat> uh, Max Payne one like was really scary. For me mm-hmm. growing up like that game has some really terrifying moments that like i don't know if you remember but there's this uh nightmare sequence where you have to run on an, an umbilical cord in like an abyss mm-hmm. and if you fall into the abyss the baby just violently starts screaming like yeah it's like around the blood too right yeah it was yeah. like blood or an umbilical cord i think it might have been blood but it was um it was terrifying. It was just very unsettling. Yeah. <laughs> it was but uh Max Payne two, I remember what I loved about Max Payne two is they um dial in a lot harder into the uh noir influences. Like it feels a lot like a classic detective noir with like a femme fatale mm-hmm. and um mm. like Humphrey Bogart, Raymond Chandler influences. So yeah. that's cool. I think they're, they're I think they're both great uh, so- for different reasons. Do you think Sam Lake will be the face of Max Payne and Max Payne 1? I hope he is. It I would be see that. such a fucking travesty if he wasn't. Yeah, it's true. Though I'm open to, like, if they do, like, uh, an update, like a remake update, like a reimagining, I wouldn't be opposed to that. I think that would be interesting if they tried it. Um, but I don't know. We'll see. Am I... I, I I don't know what remakes mean anymore. Like they could be as elastic as the Final Fantasy VII remake, or as faithful as a Blue Point game. So I don't know what it means. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, uh, well, that's exciting. Hopefully they uh, and I'm assuming they're, they're part of the reason they're doing this is to tie their collective lore into one broad tapestry. So that I think there there will probably be some. Uh, some seeds planted of uh, control and Alan Wake 
in that. It's Max kind of Payne a bummer that they don't they don't own Max Payne, which is kind of like their original big. Right. Why game. don't they own that? Why do they sell Rockstar that to Rockstar? Bought it? Oh, I don't know. Why I think Rockstar, Rockstar wanted to make... published it. I think Rockstar published it. Uh, yeah. Okay. Back in the day. So. Okay. That, yeah, you're probably right on that. Hmm. Hmm. I'm uh, excited. And, yeah. Me too. Yeah. I mean, Alan Wake 2 is the one I really... That's like... <laughs> for that, that horror experience. I think they do horror very well. Even though they've never truly made a game that is explicitly a horror game, all of their games kind of have that vibe to them, that element. Like Max Payne 1, Control, they have this kind of... It's, it's there. It's like... But a, a true horror experience would be... A, I guess... I mean, I don't feel like the first game was either the first... Uh, sorry. Forgetting the game, but I was just talking about. But uh, Alan Wake? Game with the... Alan Wake, yeah. yeah. I'm Alan Wake. Yeah. Yes. The first Alan Wake wasn't really a horror game. I like they've always kind of like treaded the genre closely, but never made a, like explicitly one. So I feel like now it's like true horror game. I'm really excited. Well, I wonder if it's still going to be a shooter because uh, like every yeah. Remedy game has been a shooter. I don't know if mm. you noticed that. Like mm-hmm. I, I played uh, Alan Wake Control and Crossfire X all within the same 12 months mm. and i've discovered what their gameplay loop is their gameplay loop is shoot stuff read something shoot stuff mm-hmm. read something shoot stuff read something read some sort of intel or whatever so i wonder if uh alan wake 2 is gonna change up the formula um and or if it's gonna be a true like pts survival horror experience i don't know Usually, too, you have superhuman powers in all their games. You have some ability that makes you more than just a regular human in all their shooter games. Right. Even Max Payne, it's bullet time, you mm-hmm. know? So, like, they, yeah, that's definitely a trope in Remedy yeah. games. Hmm. We'll see. I'm curious to see what Alan Wake 2 looks like. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I'm curious to see what all this looks like and excited to see the... Uh, you know, bullet time, ray traced, fucking shadows, all that going on. Yeah, it's gonna be so cool. I love just that Remedy's making more stuff. It feels like there was a long gap between their game releases, like between um, the game with the long cutscenes. I forgot what it's called. Uh, uh, Quantum, uh, break. Quantum Break. Quantum between Break. Quantum yeah. Break and Control. I feel like there was a long break. Uh, no pun intended. And then, uh, and then also now it's people, like, also people just didn't play Quantum Break. I think so. That's part yeah. of the reason why I, felt I didn't long. play it be- because the TV show <laughs> element. To be honest. Right. I, yeah, it sounds half baked. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, in other news, Dark Souls had a a security exploit which required all of the PC versions of Dark Souls One, Two, and Three to have their online component shut off temporarily huh. in January. But now it's been almost four months, and the multiplayer tags have been removed from Steam. Although Kevin was saying maybe that happened sooner. Yeah, apparently that happened. Um back before or when Elden Ring came out so it's it has mm. actually been a while apparently um, interesting and also on that front as well they just published their their uh, little like message that they put on Twitter on Steam news like just recently again it's the same message it's, it feels like it's months too late but what was the message I'm not sure if they uh, the message saying oh the servers are down we heard that the community is concerned blah, blah blah we're gonna address this but like they just posted it again but they didn't change anything Okay, so, so I don't they, know. they posted some sort of vague commitment to fix the problem? I don't know, man. I'm worried about it. To yeah, I'm worried too. <sighs> I, I just worried that from, from like, ah, we don't want to go backwards. We're not going to fix that. And it's just going to be offline. I mean, that would be, I don't know. I think like the community would be revolting if there was every Dark Souls game on PC wasn't playable anymore, multiplayer. I mean, that would just be terrible. 
Mm-hmm. So, I, I don't know. I no, that's a fundamental part of the gameplay. Like that's not just like not fixing yeah. the frame rate. Uh, hmm. I don't know. I'd be very, very upset if they did that. I do own like every FromSoft game on basically every platform at this time because I'm, I'm a mark, I guess. But like. <laughs> Uh, so, so there are, it, it still works if you play it on consoles as, as Oren recently discovered, but like it's, yeah, it's, uh, it's annoying. It's very annoying. They need to fix it. Leaving it un, unfixed for this long is unacceptable and leaving it and unfixed and not fixing it is absolutely unacceptable. So please yeah. fix it from soft. Or, yep. Or Bandai. <clears throat> uh, all right. I think that that's the news. Oren, we Hello. have, uh not been keeping up our, our part of the bargain. Part of the pr- problem is that I've been traveling a lot in the last two weeks, but uh, I've only played Elden Ring. I, I meant to play some Weird West, but it didn't really happen. Kevin has been playing... You've been playing stuff that's not Elden Ring, right, Kevin? I play a lot of Elden Ring. Okay. I've been going back to the achievements, but I have it playing a, a game that's like it, called Hellpoint. Mm. The reason that I'm playing Hellpoint is because, well, one, I never beat it. Um, I kickstarted this game back in 20, I don't know, 2014, 15, 16, maybe. Yeah. Um, and I never played through it. My friend and I played it online a bit, but it didn't, I don't know, it just didn't, I didn't stick with it. Um, so now I'm like, going back and making a new character. I'm playing it with my girlfriend in split screen because the game has split screen. It's like, oh, this is such a cool way to play like a full Souls-like game where you can play the whole game. If you, you can just keep, you don't have to keep summoning them. You know, like in Dark Souls and Bloodborne, you have to like ring the bell or summon someone over and over again. There's yeah. just kind of a lot of downtime. That downtime can be frustrating, I'll be honest, sometimes. Just being able to play the whole game, you just sit down on the couch, we both press start, drop in, and just play the whole game is really a nice thing. <laughs> and uh, the game's been fun enough. They, they did enough things to change the elements so it doesn't feel exactly like a complete, just the same retread. Right. Like one thing they did that I really like, uh, one of the coolest things about the whole game is that there's these gates you can go into where you... Uh, uh, you'll go into them and you'll go like in like this inverse version of the level and everything's backwards and there's new enemies and if you go to the boss room before you kill them in the main world you can talk to them and they give you a bunch of story exposition and they give you a quest to do so it's kind of like weird you can like interact with the bosses before you fight them hmm. which is kind of like a little bit like uh, one boss in Dark Souls 1 where you can do this but only one boss in Dark Souls 1 uh, you get Nito? a sword from him Nito yeah, yeah. Nito. that's Nito. Um, <laughs> but, but uh, yeah, it's 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 a fun game. I I don't know. I recommend it if you like if you want to play like a slightly more budget um, Souls game. The team uh, the team's like a smaller team who made it, and it, I think it only got like twenty thousand or thirty thousand for the like, Kickstarter. So it was definitely like a lower budget game. But like, mm-hmm. it's pretty well made and pretty fun. Like it's it's definitely like the mechanics are strong enough to that we've considered. You know, we've played it for twenty hours or more now. Yeah. So yeah, I've been I've been enjoying it. Is it one of those Souls likes that is pretty dogmatic in its approach to like copying almost every element of Souls and then just like reskinning it, or is, is yeah. it a little more okay? I feel yeah. like it's, that it's, seems to be it's it's pretty heavily the story even is like super confusing and more so confusing on a stand. Like I have no idea at all what is happening in any context of this game. Like it's completely confusing to me. All right, um, but I don't know. It's compelling. It's a compelling game still. Like it's it's a, it's worth playing, especially if you have someone you can play split screen with. I think that's to me the really the strength of it is the fact that it has a feature that is not offered in really any other game other than um, the two uh, D one Salt Sanctuary. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, Hellpoint. Uh, Oren, 
playing so many games. Yeah. You look so intense right now, dude. I don't know what you're looking at, but whatever, it's like the intensity I'm, on I'm your looking, face. I'm looking at Hellpoint right now, and it's, ah. like, it's uh, making me... Uh, it's, it's like, I feel like I'm looking into the abyss. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. the 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 abyss with the uh, Manus and all that. So uh, one yeah. thing that's cool with that game, I just want to mention actually quickly about last thing I'll say is I kickstarted that game, so my name is in the credits, and I looked to watch the credits, and it is. That's awesome. That's cool. So it's I pretty love cool. That. Yeah. <clears throat> Did you take a screenshot of your name in the credits? No, I should do that. Yeah. I'll, maybe I'll do that. And I'll yeah. Then you, you could. You could get that framed put it on your wall no uh, that, that's pretty <laughs> cool it, it's fun to see your name in the credits uh yeah all right Oren. you played dark souls yeah can you believe it guys i finally did it after you played it, after oh. months of ignoring aaron and being like dark souls sucks uh from software didn't get good until bloodborne i finally was like you know what fuck it i'm playing dark souls and that's exactly what i did i played dark souls um, I, uh, I finished the campaign, I did the DLC, and, uh, that's where I'm at, guys. I am a Dark Souls vet, and, um, what do I think of it? I think it's great. I, I you know what it was like? It was like, um, it was kind of like watching Citizen Kane for the first time, kind of like being like, oh, this is where Deep Focus came from. <laughs> this is where, uh... You know, a visual language was was developed that's so modern now, um, mm. and it's uh, it's crazy because a lot of the game design of Dark Souls is now pretty mainstream now. You know, yes, like you Absolutely. see it in so many action adventure games. Yeah. But uh, Miyazaki was ahead of the curve by over a decade, so um, it, it's pretty wild playing modern game design in a twenty. 20- 11 game but um yeah you know what i'm gonna open the floor to you guys ask me anything what do you what do you want to ask me about my dark souls experience what which um part of the game stuck out to you the most in terms of like the levels like what was the level that you thought was the most compelling or interesting or just stuck with you you know what the the moment the game clicked with me because i'm not gonna lie the first uh 10 i don't want to say 10 hours i want to say more like eight hours seven hours the game wasn't clicking, and I was kind of uh, um, having a hard time with it. Um, but the moment the game clicked with me, believe it or not, was Blight Town. <laughs> I thought Blight Town was really scary, but also I actually really liked the level design. Um, yeah. I know it's controversial to say that, but uh, I actually thought I don't the think verticality. It is. Oh yeah. Oh you don't. Oh you. Oh wait. Do you not like the level design, or do you like the level? I design? think it's I brilliant. Love it. And it's like yeah, I think it's you don't see it in other from games, and and I I think like there was that whole uh, I think I posted it. There's a video essay by uh, writing on games about how Blight Time Blight Town is like the highlight of Dark Souls. Like, yeah, I actually I've seen that uh, video essay. Uh, I watched it a while ago, believe it or not. Um, but uh, so I know a lot about Dark Souls, but I've never actually played Dark Souls. Like I know mm-hmm. a lot of. A lot of uh, what's going on in that game or like you know just like the pop culture stuff that's you know memed mm-hmm. and stuff but uh yeah i thought blight town was amazing um a couple things about blight town uh the verticality was amazing and how dark it was and how you kept hearing like screams and stuff and uh and and the fact that the uh monsters monsters would hit you with corpses yeah <laughs> it was just <laughs> i loved Love everything it. about blight town and that was the moment 
the game really started to click for me. I was like, this is awesome. And the moment the game really started to click for me was when I got to the bottom of Blighttown where all of the bugs are. And I saw in the distance, I saw a bunch of these uh, colossi holding giant boulders over their heads. And I was like, what the fuck is over there? Like, can I go over there? And I went over there and I discovered a boss fight with the uh, witch queen or the uh, Quelag, um, you know, the centipede queen. And I just thought that was so cool that um, one, that was so hidden. And two, like, you could just kind of see it on the horizon. What the fuck is over there? And mm -hmm. uh, and that, that they're just those were the moments that made Dark Souls really sing for me, were the moments where I would just see something in the distance and be like, what the fuck is that? Like, what, why is water emanating from that waterfall? And then you like get closer and you see a giant hydra there shooting water balls at you. And it's mm. like, what the fuck? That's mm -hmm. awesome. Um, but yeah, and like ever since that moment, the game really clicked with me and I, I just played it till the end. I will say, because I know this is going to be a question, what was the hardest boss for me? Uh, hands down, Ornstein and Smo was the hardest boss of all the bosses in the game for me. I thought that boss was really challenging. It took like an entire afternoon and evening of me fighting it. And I think I finished it at like one in the morning, but it was like <laughs> seven hours of intense concentration trying to wow. fight those guys. Um, Who did you kill first? Oh, I killed, uh, I kept going back and forth on trying to kill like um, both of them to see what would be the easiest strategy. And I just settled on uh, Ornstein because mm. uh, he was faster than Smo, so I could get like a, a hidden when he would try to attack me. Um, I know Smo has less health, mm. so like you can take him down faster. But every time I would try to take him down, Ornstein would get some bullshit hit into me, and I was just like getting frustrated. So I focused on Ornstein, and I was finally able to kill him. Um, but uh, yeah, the other bosses didn't give me as much as hard of a time. Hmm. Um, that was the hardest boss for me. Um, Manus was okay. I know Manus is notorious for being hard, but I think what I noticed with Manus is if you stay about nine feet away from him, you can dodge his attacks fairly easily. Um, it's like if you're too close, it's too hard to dodge his attacks. If you're too far, it's too hard to dodge his, his attacks. But mm. if you're about nine feet away from him, I was able to dodge everything. Hmm. Um, but yeah, um, uh, at, that's kind of, that's what I'm feeling. Uh, at, what, what other questions you guys have? I don't want, we don't need to talk too much about Dark Souls, but I loved it. That was yeah. Great. So, so, I mean, I guess like what did, uh, what did you think of the last third of the game, which is notoriously wobbly? Okay. Uh, well, I guess I'll give my high impressions review of the game then, um, I think from the beginning of the game to Ornstein and Smo, it's virtually perfect. Like, I think that section is amazing. Um, the game kind of started to lose me a little bit after Ornstein and Smo because I just uh, I just didn't like the levels. I mm -hmm. was like, okay, I don't like the catacombs. <clears throat> I don't like Tomb of the Giants. <laughs> um, I don't really like the... Um, demon ruins i like wasn't enjoying any of those levels yeah um i did like duke archives i thought duke archives was a really good level um it kind of felt like um a progenitor to the um the raya lucaria academy yeah, yeah they're both yeah. inspired by hogwarts so 
<laughs> yeah, they're both inspired by Hogwarts. But it was it was that was mm-hmm. a great level. Uh, I just wasn't really enjoying um, a lot of the later levels. They just kind of felt like bullshit for bullshit's st- sake. Mm. Um, I also just had problems overall in my whole playthrough with uh, like the camera, like the camera. It didn't seem like they figured out the camera quite yet. Hmm. Um, I mean, I feel like that's a great universal of FromSoft games is that cameras and lock-ons can be finicky. But mm-hmm. even playing Elden Ring, like Elden Ring, I think fixed and Sekiro definitely fixed a lot of it. Um, so I, I, I struggled a little bit with the datedness. Mm. But, um, you know, I think what saved me is I really enjoyed uh, the DLC. I thought the DLC levels and uh, boss fights felt really modern. Um, so so I, I was losing interest in the second half of the main campaign, and then the DLC restored my interest. Mm. And then I finished the game. So that that's kind of where I'm at. So I, I agree. I, I think the second half is a little weak. Um, I didn't like the catacombs at all. I didn't like Tomb of the Giants at all. Hmm. Um, I did love Duke Archives, though. I thought that was a great level. Um, fuck the trek to the Crystal Cave, though. I'll say mm. that. That's <laughs> that part. That part's a lot, but um, it's an inspired idea, though. I like the idea that to navigate the Crystal Cave, you need to look at player notes. I think that's a cool idea. Um, if you're playing offline, that part must be fucking hard, but. <laughs> There's yeah. crystals you can drop. There's also crystals falling that hit hmm. the uh, invisible walkways. I was like mind blown when I first saw the, the invisible. I was like, "What the hell? There's invisible walkways here." Yeah, it's so yeah. trippy to me. It's uh, awesome. Yeah. What did you think about the lack of fast travel for the first half of the game? Hmm. Uh, I I loved it because um, um, I loved uh, slowly discovering how interconnected the world was. Yeah. Um, Agreed. I thought that was really, uh, really well done. Um, I yeah, I thought that I thought that was great. I thought I, I I I from the beginning of the game up to Ordenstein and Smo, I don't really have too many criticisms outside of um, just a finicky camera and lock on. Um, I thought it was pretty great. Um, mm-hmm. I had a, I had a hard time getting into it at the beginning just because uh, I was adjusting to the combat and to the camera into the yeah. world but overall i really love the first two-thirds of that game right uh, I, yeah i think that's I, I agree with that appraisal pretty much every time i like start playing dark souls just to fuck around i will play up to ornstein and Smo, which i've probably played up to like 20 20 times at this point whereas <laughs> i've only beaten the game properly maybe four or five times which i guess is still a lot but yeah, that, that final that. third is that final third is kind of rough. Like I just uh, I, another area I didn't really like is New Londo Ruins. I just didn't mm. like that area. Um, oh, like, underground. Yeah. I love yeah. New Londo. Oh, I like that place oh, a lot. Yeah, so scary. <laughs> it's scary. It. It's it's scary, but um, I just uh, you know what? It, it's a I track. Think the though. Prob- I think the problem with New it's Londo track. Ruins for me is that um, it's just I think I was too under leveled when I first went there. And uh, coming back uh, leveled up properly, it was a lot more doable. Mm-hmm. So I, I think I just had a bad experience the first time. 
Um, Did you find but, the hollow guy who's lounging like he's laying like on his side with like on his elbow, kind of like looking at the Londo <laughs> runs? Like, and it, he's it's like really funny. <laughs> oh gosh i don't there I is think I, oh i think i did yeah 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 he's like to, it's him. totally comedy he's just laying there like like comfortably like oh look at this view it's so nice i, I saw that that's right that was so funny yeah, yeah i do like really the good. uh comedy i i do like uh i do love all of the npcs i loved solaire's quest line and how that concluded that made me laugh out loud i don't know if i should spoil it on the but don't spoil it, it, it here was, it was it's great, interesting it was that moment. it made you laugh out loud. I did not. I was like, "Yeah, I didn't have that this, response." This is horrifying. Yeah, poor Solaire. But yeah, <laughs> maybe it's because I have this expectation with uh, from soft yeah. games of. Um, mm. See, of that was just... like our, the first game that I played all the way through. Right. Mm-hmm. So like, I was so immersed in that world. Whereas you probably were more used to what their tropes and design stuff and stories and all that. Totally. Were. Right. Yeah. Just like things just end badly for NPCs in that game in those games. Yeah, um, I actually felt really sad for Sigmeyer. I thought Sigmeyer mm. that yeah. was, that was the one that made me feel sad, and uh, I didn't get the uh, cannon one, um, mm. which is a lot harder to get. I just got it the is. normal one, and I still felt sad. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. So <laughs> it was it was good. Uh, I, I liked Sigmeyer a lot. I actually really, uh, I think the way Dark Souls does NPC. NPC quest lines might be my favorite of all of the games because um, they're not so hidden and obscure to progress their quest lines as the other ones. You can kind of find them fairly easy, easily. And yeah. I kind of wish they would do that again because I don't think other the other ones were as obvious. Um, like Elden maybe Ring. Maybe Elden Ring is <laughs> Elden Ring's probably the Dude, closest. Elden Ring's but... some brutal esoteric ones there are a yeah. couple of really esoteric ones um people keep asking me in elden ring have you done this i'm like i don't even know what you're talking about <laughs> yeah like Blythe, Blythe's quest is like mm. a person told me where he was and i was like oh i would have mm. never found that in a million years yeah yeah, yeah. although I, I love that about it but uh, yeah, me too. or um what or millicent like millicent is in yes. some really weird and random places to progress yes. her quest mm. line like there's literally she shows up in an area of the map that you wouldn't even think to look for mm-hmm. and uh like to progress her storyline and i remember spending like 45 minutes just trying to find her and i'm like fuck it i'm looking it up i don't mm. know where she is mm. yep <laughs> so. uh do you have any more questions for Oren, kevin um, let's save it for a, uh, a full blown, uh, if, if we're going to do that. <laughs> yeah, I think we should do that. <laughs> full blown um, Dark Souls, uh, spoiler cast. I, I'd like yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I will say just overall, I, I, I think in some ways it's the best Dark Souls games. In some ways it's the most, it's the worst I've played. If that makes mm. sense. Like the level design, um, some of the lore, the, uh, um, the sense of being alone, and oh, yeah. just uh, you know, the sense of loneliness in that game is pro is the best. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think uh, uh, some of the later levels soured me a little bit, mm. and Lost I just miss. Right? <laughs> yeah, I, so, yeah, some of those later levels just soured me. I really hated the bed of chaos boss fight. That yeah, was just mm. like I was game. like, "What the fuck is this? Who the fuck designed this?" It's probably yeah. the worst um, from Soft Boss, maybe. It is. It is <laughs> yeah, the, like, was, it's the worst. I, I, I was really, I was, I hated that. Um, 
But overall, I really loved it. Uh, I think it's a fascinating game. It must have been earth shattering to you guys playing that back in 2011, oh, yeah. 2012. Like that is oh, yeah. just insane. It was. <laughs> it like changed how I thought about video games forever. It was like yeah. monumentally yeah. huge. And apparently, a lot amazing. of other people because they can't stop talking about it. Us they can't stop talking about it, and it's still, it's still like you said, like in every AAA game, basically has that combat, and it's heavily influenced in some or, ways. So, some, some, some facet, part of Dark yeah. Souls has has seeped into a lot of yeah, yeah AAA design. Well, um, one, one last thing I'll say, I Ella, I laughed out loud so much when um, I found the Bloodborne character in the DLC. I was mm-hmm. like. Oh, yeah. I was like, "Oh my God, it's Bloodborne!" And it's so perfect because he's he's hanging out in front of Artorius. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. in my opinion, now that I've played through Dark Souls, Artorius is the first Bloodborne boss. Like he feels like a, a prototype for a Bloodborne boss. So I could see it. I, so I thought that was really appropriate that the Bloodborne guy was hanging out in front of his boss fight because because um, Artorius is faster. Um, it's less about at least for me. It was less about using the shield and more about dodging, mm-hmm. which is a bloodborneism. Um, so I thought that was kind of cool. And also, uh, I can't pronounce the name of the town. It's like uh, Osilica or something. Ulisil. 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 Ulisil felt like a prototype for Yarnum in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. or old Yarnum specifically. I so, love Ulisil. There, there were like a lot of uh, subtle bloodborneisms that I felt like they were prototyping in that DLC. So I thought did that you, was Did cool. you notice that when uh, when you fight Chester, he quick steps like a Bloodborne hunter? He actually has the, yeah. the hunter animation. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I loved how in his dialogue, too, he's like, why are you moving so slow? You need to put a little yeah. tap in your step. And I was like, <laughs> oh, that's, <laughs> that's such a Bloodborneism. I, I love it. That's so cool. What I read, too, I'm not sure if this is intentional or not, is that he talks about getting snatched away by, like, a giant hand. And apparently, where you, the area you find the top hat in Bloodborne, there's the uh, things grabbing you. Like that's exactly that spot. So I don't know that's if that's insane. intentional, but if it is, then holy it shit! It must be. It must be. <laughs> that's cool. It does uh, really fit. Cool. It all fits. So yeah. I would say, if you find yourself ever replaying the game, the whole game I think plays better without a shield. Like like it's one of those things. Like your first try through Dark Souls, you're using a shield, and then as soon as you kind of learn to not use a shield, the game. The way the game plays is opens up in a new way. Um, Interesting. It's yeah. yeah. Maybe I'll try it. I, uh, uh, I I I have never been dependent on a shield in any of these games. I don't use a sh- didn't use a shield in Elden Ring. I didn't use a shield in uh, Dark Souls Three. This was the first mm-hmm. one I used a shield. So that mm-hmm. was kind of an interesting experience unto itself. As I've just never used a shield in these games. So. Did you use the Grass Crest shield? I can't. I can't remember which one I used. It was like the it was a crest shield, some sort of crest shield. It might okay. have been that one. Yeah. Most of those zones that you had trouble with outside of Lost Isolith uh, will probably grow on you on a replay. The only zone I I always dread is Lost Isolith, just because of the long yeah. running and it's, it's just like huge. That sounds like bad. It is. Yeah. I don't love the demon, uh, not the demon runs, uh, the tomb of the giants much either. Although it's it's got some things going for it. I but, like it. Uh, but, but the rest I, I is pretty good. The painting's um, amazing, right? Oh yeah, the painted the world of Ariamis is so good. Yeah, so I actually uh, I found out about that because I remember talking to a coworker at a previous job I had, and he was talking about the doll. So like as I was playing through this game, I was I was I had the doll in mind, 
knowing that you can use it in front of a giant painting. Mm. And I was like, okay. Very and nice. That, that's really cool. Like, I, I love... Uh, there's there's a there's a similar moment in Bloodborne that I won't spoil that where you find just like this random item somewhere and it unlocks an entire area of the game and uh, I just love I love that in um, in those types of games that they just have really obscure ways to access certain areas I think that's just a cool aspect of FromSoft games. On that note too, I just wanted to mention like. Uh... Dark Souls is a, like an intentional spiritual successor, like sequel but not sequel to Demon Souls. Like it has a lot of the same characters and themes. And then Bloodborne also is like that with Dark Souls. Like it's like they intentionally like homage a bunch of, like I don't know if you noticed this, but Alfred and Solaire have the same voice actor, and they say oh, really? some of the same lines. But Alfred is not Solaire. He is not <laughs> Solaire. Right. He is like the antithesis of Solaire. So it's like very like there's some things that they did in, in those games that are really cool in that regard so hmm. i want to go back and play bloodborne again i want i want 60 fps though i don't want to play that game at 30 fps again <clears throat> right yeah i really want i really want to replay bloodborne now like now that i've played elden ring and uh dark souls i really just am itching to replay bloodborne but i do want an update before i play it <clears throat> yeah all right. Well, I think we'll talk more about this game in the near future. Um, what, what what else? What, what do we got? What are we uh, what are we talking about here? Weird West. Well, you want to talk uh, about Ke- well oh. Kevin finished Elden Ring, right? Oh, I did. Elden Ring. I beat Elden Ring. I'll keep yeah. this brief. So okay. We'll probably talk about Elden Ring, right, more in depth. But uh, I did beat it. I went back and I'm doing some of the achievements now. They're actually not as it's like weird. The achievements aren't too hard to get in this one compared to it's a little easier. Mm-hmm. It's an e- it's an easy platinum in my yeah. opinion. I was like, wow, this is not so hard. But uh, I'm gonna go back and probably get all the endings. Um, I got an ending that I actually am happy with, but I I had done all of, or I'm pretty sure at least I did the entire quest up to a different ending. So I'm a little sad I didn't get the other one because I feel like that would have been a better fit for how I felt this playthrough went. Hmm. But um, uh, it was very cool. I. I found which the, uh, ending. I'm just curious. What's the name of the ending you got? If you, I'm just. Wondering. I don't know. Okay. I, you don't I'm have not to spoil. Sh- yeah, I don't want to spoil anything. Um, uh, I'm like trying to like think of what I could say that would be like vague enough to to to, to let you know, but I can't even think of anything. <laughs> That's fine. No, no I was spoilers. just curious. Talk about um, this after. But, uh, yeah, I did find the uh, the final final fight of the game to be frustrating just not like it was not fun hard i liked the all the bosses up to the final very final final boss but the final boss fight looked awesome but i i found like the actual mechanics of the boss to be annoying did you find that orn just the final fight to be a little bit like yeah i um i it's a it's a hard boss i think uh the second phase in particular has some bullshit that's Um, what i'm talking about it's the second phase like uh and this was this is another thing in Dark Souls that I didn't mention, but um, there there are just like moments in Dark Souls where I'll get hit and like the uh, the hitbox is so large where it looks like I didn't get hit, and uh, the second phase of Elden Ring has moments like that where you're like, how the f- that hit me? How did that hit me? Mm, um, yeah. So just that a lot was frustrating too. I felt like I was just running the whole fight, mm, just like yeah. trying to catch. Yeah. So. 
Um, but I, I really love the game overall. I think it's, like, easily... I mean, you can make a very... The thing with FromSoft games, outside maybe Dark Souls 2, they're all so good that if someone was like, that's my favorite one, I could be like, oh, yeah, I get it. Like, they're all at that level, really, to be honest. Right. So, uh, I, it, it was an awesome game. It, it definitely uh, feels overwhelming in its scope, though I do think the, the hugeness of that game is, like... Not a bad thing, but it definitely is like, oh man, like what, what was I even doing? I was gonna go do. I forgot what I was even gonna go do. I was, I was gonna play. There's a little lot to it, but um, I've been doing some NPC quests, and there's been some amazing moments that I don't want to talk about because of spoilers. But wow, I there I can't believe some of the stuff that I missed. Some of these NPC. I'm finally using a guide because I didn't use a guide to the whole game. The only time I used a guide to the playthrough was for one quest, which was Millicent's quest, because I really wanted to finish it, hmm. um, which I did, but um, I there was just too many weird places that you have to find her that I just was frustrated with just searching all the zones and not finding her. So I, mm. I looked up a guide for that, but, uh, nothing else. Uh, what, Good game, um, what, one, uh, one last question before we move on from this. Mm-hmm. Well, who were your favorite NPCs in the game and why were they volcano manners NPCs? <laughs> that, those are that my, that, zone, those are my, that, that, whole, that was my favorite story in the game. But, that uh, whole zone is incredible. Everything yeah. about it, it was just so cool. I loved it all. I um, love Volcano Manor so much. Yeah. Like all the NPCs in that zone are just amazing. But anyway, it, um, that's a cool spot. It yeah. is a really cool spot. I, I, I don't know. I really liked the uh, Millicent storyline. Yeah, actually, um, I really like Kayla's my favorite zone still for sure. I just love that place. It's like it's just it's just such a nightmare. I love it so much. It's um, it's Mars from Doom. It's like right. it, to me. It really reminds me of a, of a big Skinsky painting. Like it really looks like it. It's just like this like red skied just mm-hmm. nightmare. It's just so and, and on HDR, it's so vibrant and just like oh, mm-hmm. like it just looks. It's so oppressive and the music is scary and it just has weird mutant freaks. I just love it. It's just it's amazing. It's, it's one of my favorite cool zones ever made. Yeah, I am yeah. closing up towards the end of this game, but I I've gone back and kind of circled back and destroyed some bosses that I guess I left behind like places where I'm like ah I feel like I didn't fully explore that area go back and clean stuff up but I think I'm getting close Kevin said that I'm pretty close but I'm like not in a hurry I feel the same way I did when I was playing like Skyrim or certain other games like uh, Assassin's Creed Odyssey where I'm just kind of like I'm in no hurry I'm just taking my time uh but eventually it's gonna happen and then then I I I will say the to get like uh the platinum in the game like my first playthrough of Elden Ring, I think was, I, as I said in the previous podcast, was like seventy-four-ish hours or something. Mm-hmm. And then um, my second, and third playthroughs were like so fast because mm-hmm. um, one cool thing about um, New Game Plus is that you start to discover uh, shortcuts that make the game mm-hmm. go way faster. Mm-hmm. And um, like, I think my third playthrough—I'm not even kidding—was like maybe like 11 or 12 ish hours and so you knew uh, right where to go yeah because i knew exactly yeah. where to go and what the shortcuts were and uh <laughs> my brother casey also had a similar experience because he also got the platinum mm. and it's um so so that's like a cool part of the game the only thing that's a little bit of a bummer with that is i don't think the game will probably have as much replay value because um uh, the game does kind of feel smaller after you've beat it, beaten it a couple times. Like uh, it doesn't feel like this massive giant thing. Like it, hmm. it's like okay, I need to go here, I need to go there, I need to go here. So um, mm-hmm. 
but um but it's still dope it's still honestly like uh the sense of discovery that i had and i was just in my first playthrough alone was so overwhelming and that that it makes it a top three souls games for me if not like a top two so uh, i i love elden ring i think it's great yeah um, what one th- okay one other thing i'll say and I'm not going to say what it is because it's a spoiler, but uh, the final lore twist in the game, I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, Kevin. I thought that was a great twist, but we'll talk more about that on the podcast, on the long journey. So I'm not going to say what it is, but it's a spoiler and there's a twist. It's a twist is a spoiler. Can we agree on you, this? You think, you think, you think, you, say, think, you think it's you, too, I feel like I was being vague enough. No, sure. But if I say the movie you watched in in the theaters the other night, there's a twist. Doesn't that kind of... I, w- I will say that the final twist in the game, you can discover it way earlier in the game if hmm. you're really paying attention. Mm. But uh, it becomes a little bit more obvious in the final cutscene. Hmm. But you can discover it way earlier if you're really paying attention. So I'm not sure if I even know what you're talking about. To be okay, honest. there you go. So, so it's, not a, it's not a spoiler. So All right. All right. Um, cool. Yeah, I'm like racking my brain of everything I could think of, and I'm like, I don't know. Right, okay, yeah. I'm going to say that instead. There's a twist in the final boss fight, if you're paying attention. And, oh. Uh, I'm okay. not going to say what it is, but okay, I'll just say that. that. I think <laughs> I know you're talking about then, maybe. I might uh, know. All right. Okay. Anyway, we can talk, we'll talk about it after the podcast. <laughs> um, well, Elden Ring's pretty good. Uh, mild spoilers, but what? Okay, uh, we'll so fl- we'll we'll put that in the show notes or in the summary. Spoilers about spoilers, basically. Meta spoilers. Uh, Weird West, Warren. Tell me about it. Uh, good game. It's made by the uh, guys that. First of all, it's on Game Pass. It's an isometric action RPG set in a weird West that is basically, you know, it's the wild West, but with Lovecraftian occult elements, it's made nice. by uh, former arcane devs. So guys who worked on prey and dishonored. And I think, you know, the name of the lead developer's name. I can't remember his name. Raphael Colantonio. There you go. Thank you. And is that the it, prey guy? Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. It's yeah. um you know you know what I don't really like CRPGs mm-hmm. with the exception of Disco Elysium. Um I lo- it's not my genre I didn't grow up with it. Um however I'm really enjoying Weird West a lot more than I thought. Uh I've I've put about 5 hours into it so I'm not super deep but deep enough to get a sense of it and what I like about it the most is that it's giving me the sense of cause and effect that uh, Deathloop failed to give me. Like, I really mm. feel like I'm in control of the story and and nice. I'm seeing the impact of it. For example, in the game, if you save an NPC, uh, sometimes you'll be doing a side quest or something and then the NPC will randomly show up to help you in that side quest to, to kill whatever monster you're doing. And I... And, and immediately just seeing that effect to what I did in the world, I never felt that way with Deathloop. I was mm-hmm. like, oh, like I'm actually having an impact with my end, with my actions. Um, so I, I'm, I'm having a good time so far. I think it's a, a really neat game. I just love role playing as a cowboy 
in this weird occult west doing bounties uh pursuing leads hmm. uh just uh it's it's fun I, I i'm having a surprising good time i didn't think i'd like it but i'm i'm, I'm enjoying it a lot so far it, it seems like there's so many different ways you can play it um i finished there's five quests in the game like five characters you can assume yeah and i finished the first vignette and i realized after finishing the first vignette that like this the way that story can unfold it can unfold many different ways because it hmm. gives you a checklist at the end of like what decisions you made mm. so it's definitely one of those games where it's like oh you could play this many different ways um so i'm sure a first playthrough won't do justice to that game i'm sure there's many different ways you can play it so um i wonder how much it's going to hold my interest mm. i don't know if i'll play it again but we'll see so far i'm having a good time yeah i i loaded it up and then i was like um this looks awesome but i need to go back to elden ring <laughs> so i just, I just like i sometimes yeah. with a, a game yeah, I like it. i have trouble starting immersive sims or games like that that have a lot of uh flexibility in the beginning i love them once i get yeah. into them but it just takes that like it, because there's a lot to learn right off the bat if i'm if i have something else i'm chewing on i'm gonna be like okay i'll come back to this but i'm definitely gonna check that out indecision overload you get too many choices it's like i don't know what to even commit to at all right now this is overwhelming in terms of games to play uh when you're playing a big game where you have to make a billion decisions in the beginning it make you build your character or choose who they are do all this stuff oh you don't have to like, do that oh, no it was oh, more okay. just that there was a lot of systems to learn or seemingly and, and like i think the the one thing i did put me off is immediately i walked up to like a, a closet and it's like loot some garbage and i was like mm. yeah this um, is this is not i'm not ready for this right now <laughs> I've seen a lot of criticisms of the game that the game has too many systems and it's skill up did a review that he, um, the YouTuber, he, he was really critical of it and I I'm hearing what people are hearing about it. Um, but I don't know. It's, it's kind of uh, scratching an itch for me that I wasn't expecting, especially considering one of, of all the three of us, I'm probably the least into arcane. I'm not like the big, like you guys are much bigger arcane fans than I am. And of the three of us, I feel like I'm the least likely to like CRPGs. So yeah. the, the fact that I'm gelling with this game as much as I am is surprising to me. Like it's a really pleasant surprise. And, uh, but, um, so I like it, but I don't really have much of a reference point. Like, I don't know, like with the exception of disco Elysium, I can't really compare it. So I don't know if it's doing things better or worse than other CRPGs. I'm not sure. Yeah, I, it looks like its own thing, and, and I'm definitely very. I'm, I'm looking forward to trying it. I just need. I think I need to get Elden Ring through my system before I really jump into something meaty. Yeah, I, I will say that I never finished the Ascent, but it seems like the Ascent had better combat. So that's one thing. Mm. Yeah, I wouldn't say the Ascent was really like a crpg like it kind of presents itself one at first but it's really much more of a twin stick shooter right um with great combat though yeah. love the combat in that game so yeah I like the combat yeah uh okay well stranger in paradise so far D did you kill chaos okay so i want to preface a couple of things <laughs> before i talk it's about that game this. i forgot about that game that's right so, kill chaos so i have been so here's the thing i haven't been playing games that much like pre late february when elden ring came out so here's the thing i started playing elden ring in late february right 
and I crushed that game in three and a half weeks. I was like obsessed with it, devouring it, losing sleep over it, put turning down social engagements, all of that stuff. I was obsessed with Elden Ring, and ever since Elden Ring, I've been tr- I've I've been having the same video game habits. So I've been crushing a lot of games lately. So I just want to preface preface that that I am aware that I'm playing a ton of video games. And on top of that, a lot of those video games are basically Dark Souls. Mm. I realized. So I played <laughs> mm. I played Elden Ring, I played Dark Souls, I played Stranger in Paradise, I also played Tunic and Tina's Tiny Tina's Wonderlands, um, which uh, we'll be talking about in a little bit. Tunic is basically cute souls, Tiny Tina's Wonderlands is basically shooter souls. I've just been playing Dark Souls. Like, my whole life for the past month and a half has just been Dark Souls. Mm. So I'm having an existential crisis, guys. But but I'm aware it's a problem, and I need less Dark Souls in my life. But but I, may, I don't know. Maybe, I, maybe I need more Dark Souls. Yeah. I don't know. This you still like... have to play Dark Souls 2, uh, <laughs> Demon Souls. Three, right? uh, he, he played a substantial amount of Dark Souls 3, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah, but, I never, I never finished it. I was like literally right at the end of the game. But um, okay. I, uh, but yeah, I wonder like uh, maybe two months from now you'll check in on me and be like, Warren, have you been seeing your family? And I'll be <laughs> like, No, nah, I've been playing Dark Souls still. Yeah. So. And you'll be like uh, one of those weird Dark Souls two stands. You'll be like, No, man, the the AGL is just the best shit ever. <laughs> Um, I actually saw on uh, Game Informer, Daniel Tack, who is an editor who I like and is a big Dark Souls fan, he made the claim that Dark Souls 2 is the second best FromSoft title, and I thought that was funny. That it has somebody... its lovers. There are some people who uh, really... I'm one of them. several people who think... I mean, I like Dark Souls 2, but there are several people who think it's the best uh, Dark Souls, which I always find to be a strange claim, but... It's definitely not. It has but it's, its an fans. amazing game. Yeah, it's a good game. Um, I love that game. I play right. it like a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so, quickly, Stranger in Paradise. What do we need um, to know? Did you kill Chaos? Okay. Come on. Okay. So, right after Elden Ring, I played a, a Strangers of Paradise Final Fantasy Origins, which is uh, the Team Ninja Final Fantasy game, famously memed as Chaos with uh, the lead character who's going to kill Chaos. And I put about 23, 24-ish hours into it. And uh, you know what? I liked it. It was a good game. It was, it was, it's very inconsistent. It has the dumbest story ever. Mm. Um, it's uh, the loot system is the same trash Team Ninja loot system. Of Neo? <laughs> of the Neo games. God damn it. I was hoping they'd get rid of that shit. <laughs> yeah, it's still, so it's much. still garbage. Mm. Um. The level design is garbage. The game looks like shit, but it was fun. I liked it. It was the the combat, like, you know what the combat reminded me of? It reminded me of a mid-2000s character action game like the first God of War or Ninja Gaiden 2. Uh, Hmm. I I loved it. The game has executions. When you whittle down enough health, if you press B... uh, your main character will rip them apart in an an animation like God of War. Glory kills. Glory kills. Mm. It has glory kills, and I loved it. And and the game has great combos. Like, you can chain up those combos like those early Devil May Cry games. So I thought it was was a pretty good game. I Honestly, it might be... uh, I haven't finished Weird West yet, so that might be, you know... 
my game of the year that's not Elden Ring. But like mm. right now, my game of the year that's not Elden Ring might be Strangers in Paradise. Though I suspect Weird West will probably eclipse that once I finish it. But um, it, I liked it. It was uh, it's very flawed, but it, it brought me back to those glory kill combo chaining uh, t- mid two thousands character action games. So I dig so it. it. Was good. That actually makes me kind of want to play it, but the the loot system makes me not want to play it. So so the thing about the loot system, you know what I realized was the best way to play that game was every single time I got new loop, I would just press X to optimize equipment, mm. and then I would just move on. Okay. And because uh, I just didn't want to be bothered with with that, and I realized just pressing X to optimize equipment was perfectly fine. Um, but, uh, I know that's kind of obnoxious that that's the bypass to that game's problem, (laughs) but yeah, I don't know what it is with the loot system. That was also uh, a problem with, uh, Neo was the loot system. It was just very cumbersome and at the end of every level, you would just have too much loot and just sifting through the loot was a huge pain in the ass that I would just do yeah. optimized equipment. Um, mm. It was such an unneed, so. unneeded amount of just bad gameplay that they made you do. It's like, why, guys? Why, why, why do we have this? Yeah, but deep down, the combos feel good and the glory kills feel good. That I, it, The game held my interest. It's probably... So I have one question about the game. Sure. So... Uh, when you play Souls, your weapons have this really good feedback. When you hit the enemies, you can like, if you hit a head weapon, you can like stun them. Like they they're really good about like player feedback on the animations and attacks. Neo has it, but it's like it feels much more about a game where you get your hits in quickly and you dodge away. Like Neo's like it doesn't feel like there's like your da- your attacks are very powerful in Neo. It's more about being like quick and moving away. Is this game more about the Souls like slightly heavier smashing, or is it like the Neo like <laughs> and you move away? <laughs> like like you just kind of like do some quick taps. Can you make that noise one more time? Just, just, uh, <laughs> yeah, one more time. Yeah. Does it, is it, is it, is it like the, like, uh, I just don't feel like the Neo had very, like, impact in its, in its combat. Now, I don't know if that's what it was going for. It felt more like old school in that regard. What do you think? Mm. Like, cause just Teenage, that might be their vibe, I think. Um, this game felt very combo y compared mm. to the Neo oh, okay. games. Like, it's about chaining combos. Um, so it's not a, and, uh, it's, it's a character action game. It feels more like a character action game to me. Um, okay. It's uh, the the feedback feels good. I will say the game looks like fucking shit. It looks awful. <laughs> like it looks like an early PS3 title. Um, uh, I don't know what Ninja happened. Used to there. be so good. Yeah, I it's don't like know they, what happened. They made Ninja Gaiden. It had good graphics. They never went beyond that. Well, the Neo <laughs> games look pretty good. Yeah, this game does not good. look good. Okay. <laughs> the Neo games. <laughs> it, it looks like somebody put like a gel filter. And made everything blurry. It's like you're looking through the game through Vaseline. Like it, it looks bad. But um, mm-hmm. it's uh, but the player feedback feels good. I should mention that the game has a really engaging job system, where uh, you can play the game many different ways. Like you can uh, upgrade like as a samurai, as a warrior, as a mage, and they all have their own like move sets and play styles. You can customize what combos you have. Um, and it's surprisingly intuitive, and it gives the game a lot of flexibility in terms of how you want to play it. Like, if you want to um, be a guy with a giant halberd that throws halberds at guys, you can do that. If you just That's want cool. to cast spells as a mage, you can do that. 
You can also have two equipped at the same time, so you can switch off between being a mage and uh, a samurai, for example, which I actually did a lot. Um, so that was really neat. It's it, it's a it's an interesting game. It's like uh, the most seven out of it's like a seven out of ten game, but it's like the most enthusiastic seven out of ten. Kind of like how I said Crossfire X is the most enthusiastic 6 out of 10 game. This is the most enthusiastic 7 out out of 10 game. I love that you're embracing these average games. Uh, You're seeing the beauty in them in a way that I think is really special, Lauren. You know what? Sometimes... It's nice. Because like Red Dead Redemption 2, for example, that's the worst 10 out of 10 game I've ever played. (laughs) It's a 10 out of 10 game, but it's the worst one. I I think God of War is the worst 10 out of 10 game I've ever played. Yeah, God of War. The new yeah. God of War, uh, but no, I, I agree. I, with you, honestly, yeah. honestly, I'd give God of War an eight out of ten. But, okay, but, yeah, but, yeah, you're right. <laughs> I, yeah, I, yeah. Um, Red, Red Dead Redemption I, two, I'd probably give a ten out of ten or a nine out of ten, but it would be like the least enthusiastic. It's like the story is so good, the atmosphere is so good. Fuck the gameplay, but whatever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I just was googling Stranger of Paradise. And I just want to like just let you guys know this 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 Eurogamer. Uh, tag for the uh, this article is amazing it says stranger of paradise final fantasy origin modders are making everyone bald for better performance apparently <laughs> amazing, <laughs> amazing. it shows a screenshot of the main character talking uh, to this girl and they're both bald they have these like crappy hair like like, like their hair texture just on their head and that's it <laughs> that's pretty funny. Okay. elden ring elden ring looks a lot better looks a lot better mm. than Stranger in Paradise. You know I don't what's know interesting? what happened. Mm. <laughs> I saw someone comparing the uh, Elden Ring characters to the Dark Souls 3 characters, and the Elden Ring characters look so much better, it's kind of shocking. Really? And they also compared them to the Final F- or to the uh, Demon Souls remake characters, and they also look way better than the Demon Souls remake characters even. Demon Souls remake as a as a whole the package character models definitely looks better models. than Yeah, that's interesting. Maybe that's the character what models the are really per- high performance problem is, in, yeah. In Elden Ring. If you look at them mm. close up, they're like very good looking. It's actually pretty impressive, to be honest. Mm. All right. Dark Souls 3 looks considerably last gen compared to Elden Ring. I was like, oh, I didn't even, I, I forgot. It I doesn't in motion. Like, I was just booted the ga- up the game the other day. I didn't think, it, I thought it still looked really good. Especially it still looked compared- really good. Yeah. But the character models. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, Stranger in Paradise sounds like pretty cool. Uh, I'm glad that you had that experience, Oren. I'll get it on briefly. Sheet. I'll try it. Yeah, yeah, briefly. Uh, yeah, I, don't th- I don't think it's an I don't think it's an Aaron game. Kevin, you might like it, but you might be too annoyed with a lot of the bullshit in it to like it. Uh, it, it scratched a very particular itch for me, which is nostalgia for God of War, God of mm. War Two, Ninja Gaiden. Dude, I'm 2. so amped for Bayonetta Three. I've been waiting for Bayonetta Three for like six years. It feels like like since since 2017. So, <laughs> yeah. If you if you let if you just do optimize equipment and you just play like a character action game, it's a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, anyway. All right. Tiny Tina. What, what, this is a Borderlands game. I heard, I kept seeing this, this like Tiny Tina. I'm like, what the fuck is that? Is that like a, like a Ori in the Blind Forest kind of game? But no, it's, it's Borderlands. Is that right? Yeah. I, uh, I got inspired. Like, again, I've been playing a lot of video games these days and, uh, I just really wanted a shooter after playing through Elden Ring and Strangers in Paradise. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, but the funny thing is, Tiny Tina's Wonderlands. It feels like a Dark Souls game. Hmm. Like it, it, like it, 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 it has boss fights at, that requires dodging and like mm. uh, knowledge of the systems and all of that. Like weaknesses to fire, you know. Like, is it a first-person shooter? It's a first-person shooter. Yeah, it, it's a. It's basically, 
It's it's Borderlands three DLC that's glorified into a whole video game, but I think because of that, it feels less bloated than Borderlands three did. Borderlands three is a long game, and it mm-hmm. feels it feels long. Like it's like it's the type of game as you're playing it where you're like, is this over yet? Um, Tiny Tina's Wonderlands is like me doing the main missions and a healthy amount of side quests on hard mode um, was about 23 to 24 hours which feels like a good length for these types of games like Mm -hmm. I don't Borderlands 3 was like 50 hours it's like Mm -hmm. too long Um, but you know I liked it I thought it was good Um, they introduce I still don't really like the humor in these games uh, I just don't think they're funny at all. Um, yeah. But um, I I like the combat. I think the guns feel good. Uh, they added spells to the game, which adds a, um, a layer of comboing to, to the game, which I liked. Like, uh, you can deliver spells and then, and then shoot guys and then dodge. Like, it adds more gameplay variety. Um, the one thing that I didn't, I truly didn't like about the game um, that really significantly knocked it down for me is I miss they made the game T for teen, which mm, bums me out. So there's no gore. Oh, there's that's no lame. Gore. So, so, and it, I didn't think it would bother me that much, but it actually did a lot. Like I missed the gore. Um, Borderlands three had gore and it really, gave a punchiness to the game like shooting a guy and seeing their head fly off felt good you know yeah and jib too sometimes you get a crit yeah it's just this game didn't have that so that was actually really disappointing but um Hmm. i don't know it it was it was fine i i don't recommend it to everybody it's more like if you just want a mindless shooter uh that looks pretty and Mm -hmm. has good feeling guns but the uh, lack of gore i think uh really hurt the game for me it made the game feel just a lot less fun and a lot less punchy but um it it was all right i mean seven out of ten game okay all right uh and tunic what's going on there all right this is the last game that we'll talk about uh tunic uh i finished tunic my uh my thing with tunic is that that is a really really good Zelda-like game, but the game kind of lost me in the final third Mm. um, because the game introduces... So there's two endings in that game. There's the bad ending, um, which I got. But if you want the true good ending, you have to go through a bunch of really obscure, time-consuming puzzles that are like actually really obscure. And Mm. there were times where I would get the concept of the puzzle... I'm like, okay, I see what I have to do to, you know, unlock the true ending. And then I would find actually doing the solution to be really tedious. And then, like, I would get to a point where it's like, okay, it's three in the morning. Doing the solution is tedious. I'm just going to look up the solution online. And then even me trying to do the solution online was like, am I doing this right? Like, I feel like I'm doing this right. And I would, it would take me like five or six tries, and then I'd be like, okay, I finally got it. So that kind of soured me on the game. It's like the, the puzzles are just too opaque and too, like, just too just they, too, too much, a little too mm. much for me, like, where it kind of 
wore me down. So in the wars between modern Zelda likes, like is Death's Door better or Tunic better? I'm pretty firmly Death's Door is the best mm-hmm. um, of the Zelda likes. Uh, Tunic is still really interesting, but I just thought uh, the puzzles just got to be a little too opaque and too tedious in the final part of the game to the point where I just was looking up solutions because I just didn't want to deal with it. Hmm. Um, like, honestly, the puzzles in Tunic are more opaque than the puzzles in Elden Ring and Dark Souls. That's how opaque the puzzles are in Tunic. Um, okay. That sounds... That's like a one-man game, right? That was made by one person? Or Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he brought some help on, but... I mean, some of the puzzles are really interesting, and when you get the concept of what they are, it's, like, kind of mind-blowing in the moment. Like, what? That's what I have to fucking do? Yeah. But, like, actually doing the solutions to the puzzles can be, like... Like, it's literally, like, doing down, up, left, right, down, up, left, right, whatever, like... So, Konami <laughs> doing, code. Yeah, doing, the, doing those types of codes for, like, I'm not even kidding you, like, 70 lines or something or like 70 actions in a row and you're like this is just too much it's not a game for me yeah Yeah. that sounds incredible no shooting of bells or you know putting books in old statues or it's not me not my kind of Mm. (laughs) puzzle. yeah they're very tedious it it, and that's literally what it is it's like up down left 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 right right up (laughs) it's it's just i hated it but um okay yeah so Tunic was a game of the year contender. It wouldn't wasn't going to be Elden Ring, but now it's mm. like firmly not a game of the year contender for me. Ooh. It's 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 not. It's like I like it. I think it's a brilliant game, but I think its opaqueness gets in the way of it. Also, some of the late game boss fights have a lot of bullshit that mm. Death Store did not have. Um, okay, but I don't know. I still recommend people try it. It's on Game Pass. Um, I fell off it hard in the final third, but I still think it does some interesting stuff. And if you love opaque puzzle solving, uh, that game is definitely for you. If you're the type of person who uh, loves spending hours being stuck on something and being like, (laughs) what the fuck? (laughs) Like, I know there are people like that. There are people who love that shit. That's right. I, I love puzzle games. I love games like the outer wilds. I love the puzzle elements of resident evil games. I love obscure puzzles, but like, I think there needs to be a point where it's like, okay, like me looking at the color grading in this picture and how that's telling me something to a solution to a puzzle. To me, that's like a step too far, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Like, it's like that kind of insanity. Have you guys ever seen the movie Under the Silver Lake? Mm -hmm. It's that kind of puzzle solving where it's like, I'm looking at this Nintendo Power and there's a line there and that line means something you know it's mm. like and it's a cool idea but it's just too much for me almost conspiracy theorist kind of puzzle making exactly like the third yes. month of the third year that means the die yeah <laughs> yeah that, that it's literally that type of puzzle solving it's like um because the game has an in-game guide that you look through and the pages actually have solutions to puzzles and uh mm. it's literally like huh why is that line drawn in that margin <laughs> it's like that kind of stuff and some of it's cool but some of it's really tedious and uh it made me kind of dock the game uh you know dock right. the game this couple scores but anyway that's what i have to say about tunic okay interesting uh yeah i think if if you're the kind of person who likes that kind of game then that's probably like incredible 
if you're like, I just want to take IQ tests all day long. But uh, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. All right. Cool stuff. Uh, would one of you guys read me this Zuli Twitter thread that I posted? It's not too long. Um, yeah, if you want, I can. Um, okay. So Zuli the Witch, YouTuber, she uh, posts a lot of really cool stuff about Dark Souls. Um, she had a, a really interesting Twitter thread that we're going to have for our um, topic of the week. I'm just going to read through it right now. A great example of what I think many studios miss when they try to emulate from software is the purpose of a character like Solaire. Solaire illustrates something crucial about the oppressive solitary nature of the Souls series, which is that oppressive solitude isn't the point. Solaire is a cheerful, optimistic, is cheerful, optimistic, and kind-hearted. If you buy into a surface-level interpretation of Dark Souls, if you did believe it's all about brutal difficulty, pain, and suffering in a hopeless, crushing atmosphere, you'd think he really has no business being in the game. But, not only is he an important piece of the game, he's not alone. If you stop to think about it, there are quite a few characters who are generous and open-hearted, stalwart and brave, good people struggling against the dispassionate cruelty of the world they live in. The reality is, these characters are the heart of Dark Souls personified. The bleak, desolate world isn't the highlight, it's the backdrop. It exists to give contrast, to make these little beacons of hope, these testaments to the human will, shine even brighter. Whether they live or die, no matter the sadness and hardship they endure, they drove forward. They fought, and even if they never accomplished what they fought for, the fight itself has meaning. The beauty is in the struggle, and it can only be shown when, with something to struggle against. But even more, these characters are you. You, too, are fighting. The world is punishing, and it may seem impossible to win, but you're fighting still. And if it was easy, it wouldn't be beautiful. The difficulty isn't the point, but it has to exist for you to struggle against it. And it's this sublime appreciation of the struggle that imparts everything that matters about the Souls unit series. The understanding that all these challenges must exist solely for you to feel the beauty in facing them, and ultimately triumphing over them. That alone is the point. And it's getting mired in the dark atmosphere and the difficulty without understanding what these things exist to create. That is what too often leads other developers astray. They can see the surface, but not the undercurrents, the forces at work that shaped it into what it is. So that's Zuli the Witch from Twitter. Thank you, Oren. Uh, we don't have to have an incredibly lengthy conversation about this, but I'm curious if you guys find this persuasive if you agree with it um yeah because I, I guess i'll go first I, like i read this and i feel like that this is like a partially good read but i also think that it's sort of it maybe kind of conflicts with certain broader themes in in the soul series particularly if you look at like the different endings to the original dark souls game and, and I, I guess the thing that like grates to me or the thing that makes me the most like skeptical of it is when when they say that alone is the point. Like this is right. what Dark Souls is, and that's I'm like, my problem too. I'm like, ah, that's like maybe that's what Dark Souls is for you, and I think Dark Souls is a very personal thing. I don't know. I guess I just kind of spoiled all that, but yeah. What do you guys think? Um, well, is, there's the whole concept of hollowing in Dark Souls, right? Which is um, partly like if you lose purpose, if you lose a sense of fight, you'll go hollow. And then you'll just kind of go crazy. So um, I do get the point that um, the struggle is what where the meaning is. 
but I'm not, I'm a, I'm a little skeptical when it's about triumphing, being triumphant. Like, I don't think that's necessarily true. I think, uh, especially in the first Dark Souls. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, uh, I think, uh, I think the meaning is in the struggle, but it's not necessarily about, because remember, like, when you, um, actually, that's a spoiler. I don't want to say that. I, I, I'll say, I'll say vaguely that, the game doesn't reward you necessarily for being triumphant. It's more like the struggle continues. Yeah, we, we could have Dark Souls. Let's just say Dark Souls spoiler warnings because I, I think it's going to be hard to talk about this without. So, uh, yeah, Dark Souls 1 spoiler warnings ahead. Um, I mean, I, I guess there's a couple things about this I, like, I don't like. I agree that like other companies just making sort of oppressive, brutal environments like Grimdark stuff doesn't necessarily capture what's going on in Dark Souls but like to say that 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 a big part of the game isn't about expressing the tone of loneliness and isolation I just think is wrong you know like I, I like I think that is a big I think Dark Souls doesn't necessarily well, well part of the joy of, of Dark Souls is that it's a very personal experience so the story the way you feel about the game is going to be very much decided by how you interpret it like much more so than other games because it's not so strictly authored but also, like, if there is something that they're trying to at least give you a taste of, it is that desolation, that loneliness, that isolation, particularly in Dark Souls. Yeah, I also think, uh, actually, before I speak, Kevin, do you have a take on it? Um, yeah, I, I, I think the point of um, the contrast of, of like, a, the human struggle versus this undefeatable darkness is a big part of what Miyazaki wants to sell. I mean, he's explicitly stated that for almost every release of every game they've made. And that's kind of like why they don't have the easy mode thing. Like they, they want, they want a specific experience from the player. But I, I think that to say that the, 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 the dark oppressive vibe is the backdrop, I think is really uh, inaccurate to describe it. And I also think it minimalizes, in my opinion, like the monster design. Like I really just love creatures and, and stuff. Like that's like one of my favorite things just in games is just enemies and creature design. And, and I think FromSoft does some of the best, most disgusting creatures and, and settings. So like I think to say like it's the backdrop, I think really minimizes like that just incredible like atmosphere they've built the design of the creatures just the, just the world they've kind of assembled i think so like i just i feel like it's the way they the way that zuli says this is a little bit too like authoritative on the interpretation yeah. even though like i i think the contrast of 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 like because there is i do think that that is an important element and it's funny because like i was just talking with my girlfriend have you guys seen planes trains automobiles it's like one of my yeah. favorite comedy movies from the yeah, 80s that's great um, minor spoilers. This movie came out in the '80s, so I feel like if I spoil a comedy from the '80s, but on TV for like the past 20 years, I don't think it's gonna be a big deal. But like, basically, you find out in the end of the movie that 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 his friend Dell, like, who's kind of this goofball, he's always talking about how like his wife is like there and his wife, the whole movie, like she's actually dead. It makes the movie much kind of darker and a little more like like human um, and believable. Yeah. And I really feel like like I know it's not related to this, but like to me, like that's what makes that movie really good and a big part of why I like it. It makes the movie a little more dark and, and kind of like grounded. And I think that Souls in a way kind of like relates to that in a way. Like it's like it's like the the, the oppressive vibe really does bring the humanity out in the characters that you do like. Like um, you know, the Onion Knight and Solaire and, and all the other characters that are like friendly and human. Like you can kind of relate in this in this in this dark sense. So I guess like that is is an important element. But yeah. Yeah, I I think that's a good uh, analogy with planes, trains, and automobiles. Um, I think uh, 
I don't know. It, it's interesting. One thing I want to say um, specifically now that we've put a spoiler warning, the most triumphant part of the first Dark Souls game is after you beat Ornstein and Smo, and uh, you go to uh, I, I can't pronounce her name. Guinevere is that her name? Mm-hmm. The uh, the goddess. Um, if you in the lore, you're actually talking to an illusion. You're not right. actually talking to her. So the the sense of uh, being triumphant is actually a lie in that scene. Yeah. <laughs> so so I think like that whole idea of like oh you did it like that's actually not that's actually not like in the story of Dark Souls. Like um, there's actually a lot of um, hints that you're being manipulated by gods the whole time. You are, so, and that's kind so, of yeah. So exactly, exactly, yeah. So Did you I don't think it underneath? applies. I in don't think it Londo? applies. Did you uh, kill what? the uh, Did you kill the sun underneath the the other boss like in Orlando? If you kill another boss, in Orlando, a hidden boss, the uh, sun goes away, and it turns out in Orlando is actually in the darkness. It's like there's no brightness at all. It's all just this pure dark, just <laughs> oh, that, depressing. That, that, area. Ma- that makes me mad because I accidentally sold the object that you need to fight that boss. I was so <laughs> oh, pissed. Sucks. It was mm. the one boss I didn't fight. I was mm. So, so if you mad. kill him, in Orlando has changed, and you can see how much of it actually is an illusion. A lot yeah. of it's an illusion. By oh, by that so character. so it's just like a gross, disgusting place that's like. It's just okay. dark, and the, the Silver Knights are just guarding this this dead kingdom of nothingness. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And all the Sentinels are gone, too. The Giants and stuff, they're not there. They're all part of the illusion, too. That's amazing. <laughs> no, it's oh just God. the Silver Knights and the Giants. Blacksmith are just there. Well, yeah. <laughs> right. That's amazing. I, I need mm-hmm. to look that up online. Yeah, but, yeah, that kind of goes to your point. It's just like, I don't think Dark Souls... I do think that Dark Souls makes a point that struggling against impossible odds is where the meaning of the game comes from. Like, mm-hmm. I, I think that's true, but I don't yeah. think, I don't think it's about, you know, being triumphant. Yeah. I mean, At like I said, I think solely. that what Zuli's saying is, is partially true, but I think yeah. it's also dismissing a lot of what's also true about the game. And, and also I think that dark souls can be so personal. But like, yeah, like I think of if you look at the two endings of Dark Souls, which we don't even have to spell it here, there's nothing triumphant in either, right? Yeah, there's something not. profoundly meaningless at the end of the game. You're like, oh, I did all that, and it didn't have a good outcome. <laughs> like, no, no, there's no good outcomes, right? Um, and I think that's intentional. I think there's kind of like, uh, I'm going to recommend, my, uh, spoiler alert, my uh, recommended thing is Noah Caldwell Gervais' five and a half hour Dark Souls playthrough uh or it's not a playthrough but it's like a video essay but he talks about dark souls in terms of like eastern uh like buddhism and i think buddhism is a much better lens to look on it where it's like hey like this like it's not really good or bad it's very uh nuanced and complex ultimately like like the world in dark souls like striving in dark souls doesn't doesn't make your character happy or it might make you happy temporarily but it doesn't you're still just kind of you're engaging in futile sort of uh, ends. Yeah. One thing, um, one thing I wanted to talk about, and I've been thinking about this a lot playing Elden Ring and also Dark Souls. But um, one thing that I really like about fantasy that I'm dis- discovering is you can tap into real world fears without it being explicitly like um, an allegory or something mm-hmm. like. Uh, in Dark Souls, the whole game has this sense of entropy, like that things, everything dies, you know? And yeah. uh, 
it's all hurtling to that point. And it's interesting because the game kind of like comments for me personally on like climate change and or like nuclear threat and existential threats that we in the real world face. It's like this feeling of like everything is kind of hurtling towards like this end point. Um, so I don't know. I guess I bring that up because uh, I just think it's really inspired how a fantasy game can tap into that. And uh, I, I think it kind of goes on. That's why Zuli the Witch's reading doesn't really resonate with me because I think that kind of feeling is what Miyazaki is really tapping into. Like the sense that like everything kind of comes to an end despite all of this human struggle. Um, so I don't know. It, it's just interesting how Miyazaki can tap into those things to me. Mm-hmm. I agree, especially with the, with Dark Souls in particular, compared to every other game that they've made, feels particularly apocalyptic and like the, it's just like there's just like nothing. It's like fighting over just ash, basically. Like there's just nothing left in that world. Whereas the other games are all still like there's more going on. Like all the other games, the world is still has some more existence and context. But Dark Souls feels particularly Dark Souls Three. Go You're play Ring whole, City, all man. All yeah. of them. Go play Ring yeah, yeah, City. Okay, like, yeah, right, right. Like it, uh, it is uh, very you're much not just intentionally. Saying, right, right. I, I, Dark Souls One it feels the most apocalyptic. Well, I don't know. I mean, Ring at the City, end of Dark Souls Two, which which I I, I haven't I've, I've gotten to but haven't personally experienced the actual is pretty uh, is along the same lines. Like there there's definitely a continuity of sort of like it's all like, kind of feels meaningless. Like what was this for? Yeah. I don't know. I do like how in Bloodborne, though, in Bloodborne, it's about transformation and transcendence, if you mm. know what I mean. And I thought knowledge. that was a, I thought that was a great uh, idea unto itself. Um, I, th- I feel like every uh, Souls game kind of gives me something different. Like Dark Souls, it yeah. feels so meaningless, but Bloodborne is about, you know, because basically I, without spoiling, but it's more about transformation, so to speak, and. Mm-hmm. Um, that Lovecraftian concept and uh, Elden Ring. I feel like Elden Ring probably of all the games has the most sense of triumph, I think. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Without spoiling, but um, especially that menu music, huh? Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. It, it's cool. It, it, it seems like they're kind of, they wanted to tell that type of story, which is great. Um, so maybe Zuli, the witches um, comments make the most sense for a game like Elden Ring, but for dark Souls, right. yeah. I don't think so yeah especially feels the most traditional fantasy of all their games mm, mm -hmm. like it feels much more along the lines of not that it is obviously it's still very from softy in every possible sense but it feels like it's setting and and the the, the story trajectory are all more traditional fantasy and i don't know if it's because of germ's element or not but it does feel like less of the i mean there's there's no there's really no morality still in that world at all in any context but. Yeah, uh, uh, what I love about Elden Ring's world is all of the characters are so larger than life. Like I just yeah. like Radon and um, Radigan, Millennia. Like I just love all of those characters and what they represent and their feuds. But mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I think it, I think it definitely has. I mean, I've never consumed Game of Thrones, but I definitely got Game of Thrones vibes from it, in the sense that it's like a bunch of warring factions. Um, and, uh, I thought that was 
interesting but uh but no i i I agree i think traditional fantasy i think that's a fair that's a fair thing to say about it yeah yeah i guess one last note i would put for for my thoughts on what zuli said was that that they were saying that the like that the aesthetic is is what a lot of people get wrong and then that's that leads them astray and they're not getting the deeper undercurrents which which fair enough but i think a bigger part of that is also like FromSoft is producing really well-conceived artistic visions uh and i think you can see other like like dark souls and stalker have a very similar depressive solitary vibe and like stalker is definitely all about that and 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 i think it communicates it extremely well and in a way that's very similar to what the original dark souls does so i think if it's done well like i I don't i don't think you're missing anything i don't know i I guess i I just i saw that on twitter yeah I think there's like this weird inclination by a lot of people to uh, kind of make things more optimistic than the intention is. And, and simple. Uh, like that's the other thing yeah. is like, like there was like a narrowing down of like, Oh, dark souls is just about triumph over uh, oppression. And all. it's like, that's about a lot of things. Let's be more nuanced. Yeah. But, yeah. I, I think we're doing game. I think we're doing media in general, a disservice by trying to like relegate it to one emotion. And, uh, I actually have more to say about that going into our personal recs. <laughs> yeah. All right. Are we ready for that? Sure. Yeah. Uh, Kevin, what do you got? Um, so we've been playing a lot of Souls games. I'm a lot of FromSoft, a lot of Elden Ring. I've been playing Hellpoint. Um, there's a lot of games, if you like that genre, there's a lot of games that are similar that I've played in the past that I just wanted to like shout out because I still think that they're really fun and relevant if that's something and if you and if you do like split screen like i do like you want to play with a close friend on the couch um salt and sanctuary is a really fun awesome um souls like game very much metroidvania like check that game out um and also the surge and the surge 2 are also very high quality uh, mike we've had in the podcast we've we, we've definitely nerded out a bit on the surge we both really like the from soft style games and the souls likes and the the surge i think is probably my favorite one of all of them hmm. that i've played so uh it even has the new one even has online messages like they're like it's like graffiti messages that people write like they write like little arrows and other things that point to stuff so it's hmm. pretty cool like uh kind of ways that they handle this stuff um i, don't know, I just want to like shout those games out that, are, that i think are awesome and, and and related to the stuff that we're talking so much about that i think do capture the mechanics and stuff in a good way in a fun way uh, I'll throw in there uh, Remnant from the Ashes is uh, one that I personally really like. Uh, I think that's, if you like cover shooters, um, that's basically Dark Souls if it were a cover shooter. Mm-hmm. For sure. Oren, tell us what you got. So, um, yesterday was my birthday, um, and, which was really uh, fun. And uh, for my birthday, uh, two days ago, the day before my birthday, me and my family, we all went to see Mulholland Drive on the big screen at the Music Box. Very nice. And uh, it was one of the best movie theater experiences of my life. I could not believe it. It was a it was a packed crowd Um, seeing specifically the audition scene with a if people have seen Mulholland Drive, hopefully, you know, what I'm talking about seeing the audition scene and how people reacted to that scene in particular was unbelievable. I like have never seen something like that in my life. It was like dead silent throughout the whole scene. And then once the scene ended, everybody started clapping because they were like so blown away by it. 
Um, so that was amazing. Also, David Lynch, um, I believe for this retrospective, because he's doing like a traveling retrospective right now of all of his movies. Really? Um, yeah, for the for the movie, or maybe it was for when Mulholland Drive came out initially. I didn't know the context. I don't know the context specifically, but he sent a a, a note to movie theaters saying that Mulholland Drive should be played three decibel higher than traditional uh, movie screenings do so, than the standard. So the the movie was so loud, like whenever there was like screaming or a car crash in it, it like it echoed throughout the whole theater. And it was so hmm. loud. Hmm. Um, so it was super cool. So my recommendation for the this week is um, if there's a filmmaker you love, uh, David Lynch is, you know, a Mount Rushmore filmmaker for me. He's he's one of the greatest. Um, yeah, see their movies on the big screen, because sometimes that's the way they're intended to be seen. Um, one thing I want to say about Mulholland Drive, though, kind of going back to Dark Souls and Elden Ring. Um, one thing that I love about David Lynch is that um, his movies, like I thought I had Mulholland Drive all figured out. Like I was like, I have my theories about that movie. Um, I have my feelings about that movie and what that movie's supposed to be about. And seeing it again, I realized that like um, my own theories about that movie were being challenged and that maybe I don't have that movie all figured out. And uh, that's one thing that I love about Miyazaki's work is that I'll be like, okay, I think I have Bloodborne figured out at this point, but then I'll like read another theory about it online or I'll replay that game and discover something I didn't discover before, or I'll read some sort of item description that I didn't see before. And then I'm like, okay, maybe my theories are totally wrong. And I, I just, uh, I just love that style of storytelling of, of an artist who won't give you all the answers and you're kind of forced to piece it together. And some of, and there's little nuggets put in the narrative to challenge what you already thought of it. And I just think that's really cool. And I, I'm I'm grateful that for that style of storytelling, and I wish I saw it more. I agree, come wholeheartedly, love it. Yeah, like for real, like especially in with all of these Disney Marvel movies that are all about giving you answers. I I think we meet, need more man- narratives that don't give you all the answers. Yeah, the answers mm. are not what I. Oh, always you mean want. like the lighthouse? Sure, the <laughs> lighthouse. Yeah, yeah. The, no, you know what? Why not the lighthouse? Sure. <laughs> What? Didn't that have Adam Sandler in it? Yeah, Adam Sandler in the lighthouse. Uh, <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, that sounds really cool. I somehow missed seeing that in theaters, even though I was aware of it at the time. And uh, I would like to see that. Hopefully, maybe it'll. I don't know. I was just look, looking up to see if that traveling tour was going to play here, but it probably started in LA. So I might have missed my opportunity. Uh, oh, a couple other things about it. Um, it's rumored that David Lynch might have a new movie at Cannes. Which would be really Ooh. fucking cool. Really? He's going to make another movie? Um, How could he have made a movie without us knowing that it was in production? Well, I don't know if you remember, well, a couple things. Twin Peaks The Return, the production for that was really under wraps. Yeah. And pe- people didn't really start to learn of the scope of it until like a couple months before it premiered at Cannes. Oh. So he, okay. ha- he has a history of keeping projects under wraps. Impressive. Um, Do you ever watch he, him on YouTube? Yeah. Everyone. Have a good day. The weather today in <laughs> yeah. Los Angeles is 68 degrees, cloudy. Hello, everyone. It's September 2. <laughs> <laughs> 
he's great. He's uh, uh, he's great. Well, it would be so super cool if he had a movie at Cannes because mm. uh, th- basically Definitely. the evidence is that a, B- a British Film Institute or uh, organizer, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, he said that one of his favorite filmmakers is premiering a secret project at Cannes. He made two of his favorite movies and one of his favorite TV shows. Paul and W.S. Like, Anderson. <laughs> well, I was thinking like, okay, who is that? There's David Fincher did Mindhunter, so maybe mm-hmm. it's David Fincher. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people think it's David Lynch, though, uh, mm. for obvious reasons. But um, I don't know. But that would be cool because David Cronenberg also is going to have a movie at Cannes. So two of oh, my awesome. Mount Rushmore filmmakers. Really? Cronenberg's would... making All the Davids. Movie. Yeah, all, yeah, all the, the Davids. Davids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, if you want to be a great filmmaker, a na- or if you want your son or daughter to be a great filmmaker, just name him David. Even if it's a daughter, name her David because she'll oh. be a great filmmaker. Yeah. Uh, so. All right. That sounds awesome. Um, I'm going to quickly re-recommend people watch Severance on Apple+. Plus. Uh, I watched the season finale the uh, night before last, and I got to say, definitely one of the strongest first seasons of a show I've seen in, like, a long time. Like, uh, high, highest recommendation. Very, very good. Uh, again on Apple Plus and then the other thing which I mentioned before is uh, Noah Caldwell Gervais five and a half hour long review video essay of of the Dark Souls series it's really fun to watch because he's somebody who was kind of a a skeptic like he he was a little bit put off by the community and what people said about the games and then he started playing them and quickly found them to be you know like his favorite games of all time which is the, the usual experience but it's kind of like having a conversation with an old friend who finally played the game you wanted them to play and then understood everything you wanted them to like about the game and was able to articulate it really well. And it's it's just a really fun video. It's, I, I, it's five and a half hours long, and I watched it like in two sittings like without issue. Uh, it, I would say it's the five and a half hour long video essay for people who hate five and a half hour long video essays. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> so. I need to check out Severance, too. Dude, Severance is Severance is shocking. Like, there's something about like a show where there's like only like a very focused uh, creative staff. Like a lot of TV shows have a different director for every episode. I think Severance has two people: is uh, not Adams, Ben Stiller, and someone else. I can't recall their name off the top of my head. Working together to direct every episode, and, and it's it just feels like it's like this had a lot of drafts and revision was really honed down and knows exactly what it wants to be. I don't want to say the kind of shows that I think that it's in, on the league with, but it's good. Hey, when are you going to watch season three of Twin Peaks? Uh, never, <laughs> never. We're just going to keep like, paying why, for Showtime. Why haven't you watched it? I don't understand. That's next. Now that I've I've caught up, I don't know. Okay, you you caught up, so you're ready. You're ready for it. You oh, I've been ready movie? for it for a while. We have to watch Fire Walk with Me, which has been a little bit of a roadblock. It's not really why? a fun movie. Uh, I love that movie. I don't know if I love that movie. I have to. I'll tell you what I think after I rewatch it. The first time I watched it, love wasn't the feeling that I I felt. It's a it's like a tough it. movie. It's a tough mm. movie. It's a tough to watch. movie, but I enjoyed but, uh, it. A lot. But I, I love it. I think what I, I don't know. One thing I love about David Lynch, and I I was reminded of this watching Mulholland Drive. But um, I think he just had so much empathy for women who um, are kind of like cast aside by society or treated like shit. And I think yeah. he he taps into those feelings into that those types of characters so well with Mulholland Drive, with Twin Peaks. 
uh, with Isabella Rossellini and Blue Velvet. It's just uh, yeah, you're right. The, 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 the level of empathy he has for women who are just treated horribly by society, I think, is just really underrated in his uh, oeuvre. Mm. You're right. So true. All right. Well, that is way longer than I thought we were going to go, but uh, that's cool. Good pod, guys. Thanks for showing up. Uh, Madden, we love you. Check out Madden. Uh, and uh, we'll be back shortly. Probably have something other than Elden Ring to talk about. Maybe. Though I, I can't really Maybe promise not, that. I can't promise <laughs> that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the worst part is that we're, we're planning on potentially doing a, an episode on it. But also, like, when it comes time for Game of the Year, are we going to really be talking about anything else? So, Elden uh, Ring's we're gonna, already... We're going to talk about Tiny Tina's Wonderlands. Okay. Okay. Yep. Uh, <laughs> all right. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back in two weeks. Bye.